Rock and Roll Sutra Podcast. Here we are, episode one. My name is Joe Simic, and I'm a yoga teacher and a yoga therapist, and I own Dragonfly Yoga Studio with my wife, Alexis. The studio, our studio is in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, which is about an hour driving due north of Philadelphia. And I'm also the songwriter behind a band, or a music project, as it were, called Destroy It Up. And we play, I think, what most people would call rock music. It's the combination of those two things, yoga and music, that has really inspired me to start this podcast. I envision it as a way to discuss wisdom teachings uh, within the context of popular music or vice versa. So in other words, um, it's a place where yoga dorks and music geeks can unite. (laughs) I have many ideas for this podcast, and I see it potentially as a place where Uh, I can interview musicians about spirituality and philosophy, or interview yogis about music. And I also think it would be a really great place to discuss yoga, Eastern philosophy, and maybe even religion's influence on popular music. But for now, for the first handful of episodes, this podcast will really be a companion piece to Destroyed Up's new full-length album. And that album is called Sutra, and all of its lyrics were influenced by an ancient yogic text called the Yoga Sutra. But first, how did this album come to be? So what's the story? It really starts with a conversation I had with Destroyed Up drummer John O'Reilly Jr. after a yoga class, which in retrospect, um, was actually a pretty fitting start. Uh, John and I were discussing ways we might barter for his yoga classes at my studio, and he offered to play and record drums on a few songs that I had been kicking around. John actually records drums for a living. It's his full-time job. I'm very envious. But he owns and records uh, at a studio called Boom Crash Drum Tracks, and he really records drums for people all over the world. Our conversation was the launching point for uh, two Destroy It Up releases. We released two EPs, and uh, we recorded them with uh, the help of my good friend Kurt Johnson Jr., who plays guitar, and my brother-in-law, Brad Baker, who plays bass. And when it came time to start writing material for our third release, I was in the middle of two pretty big yoga trainings. One was a 500-hour yoga teacher training with a teacher by the name of Ralph Gates, uh, who you may know. He's the author of the seminal yoga book, Meditations from the Mat, a very popular book. And the other was a yoga therapy certification. And the name of my teacher for that was Brant Pasalakwa, who runs a yoga school called Breathing Deeply. So both of my teachers, basically at the same time and independent from one another, assigned me the task of reading the Yoga Sutra. So I really immersed myself in the text, and it had a pretty profound effect on me. And as I went to write songs, I could feel the influence of the concepts in the book sort of creeping into the lyrics. Um, The music was 
you know, very much still rock oriented, you know, in the vein of um, bands I love, like Wilco and Spoon and singer songwriters I really like, like Connor Oberst and Bob Dylan. Um, but it dawned on me that maybe I should write a concept record of sorts about the Yoga Sutra. The things I was reading about, you know, concepts like the fear of death or attachment, you know, they aren't just, they don't just belong to yoga. Um, they're the epitome of the human experience. And I felt like if these ideas didn't make for a great song, what would? So I wrote um, about 12 songs. 12 songs ended up on the album around these ideas. And I took major concepts from the Yoga Sutra, uh, and I wrote about each one. Once I was finished, I played a little solo acoustic show at our yoga studio where I lectured about the yoga concepts, and then I played the songs related to them. And we used uh, some of the funds from that show to help record the album. And it's out now, and you can find it right now. You can find Sutra in its entirety at destroyitup.com. So the people at the show seemed to enjoy those lectures, and they enjoyed the songs, and I wanted to sort of rework and record those lectures. Uh, maybe they're not, maybe lecture isn't the best word. Let's just call them talks. Uh, and I thought a podcast would be a really good way to do it. And that really brings us to now. Now, that's actually the exact word I want to start with as I begin to talk about this album. In Sanskrit, the language the Yoga Sutra was originally written in now is Atta, A-T-H-A. And Atta is the first word at the first line of the book. And that line goes like this, Atta Yoga Nasasanam. And it translates to now the teachings of yoga. So the Yoga Sutra is a short book. It's actually famous for its brevity. And it's a short book on purpose because every passage is concise and full of information and ideas. So it's not without importance that the first word of the first sutra is atta or now. And this is important for a couple of reasons. One is that about 2,000 years ago, when the author Patanjali wrote the Yoga Sutra, just to be deemed worthy enough of a student to be able to read or study the sutra, you had to put your time in. So back then, it's not like you could just Google the sutra, right? Look it up on your phone and read it. Um, so Patanjali is making a point to say to the student, like, all of your study all of your life has led you here to this point, to now. And you are beginning the process of liber liberation, right? So it's a big deal. And the second reason it's noteworthy is because Patanjali is putting emphasis on one thing, the present moment. In the next sutra, Sutra 2.1, Patanjali defines yoga as the calming of the fluctuations of the mind. In Sanskrit, yoga, chitta, vritti, narodaha. And how do we calm the mind? Right? Well, basically, Patanjali uses the rest of the book to explain that. But right off the bat, he's letting us know, he's letting the reader know, 
or the listener, as it were, back then, we sure as hell won't calm the mind by thinking about the past or the future. We need to be in the now. So when I was formulating ideas for the album, I always had in my head a shorter introductory song that kind of set the scene, which is exactly what the song Atha uh, turned out to be. And uh, I knew it was going to be short, and I love haunting piano loops, or at least piano parts that kind of sound like loops. Um, and when I first started writing the song, um, I had this like repetitive piano part, and, uh, and I really liked it. I recorded it into my iPhone. Uh, so let's listen to that here. And then once I had the piano part and the melody I liked, I just started writing lyrics. All we got is now. I started shouting this line. All we got is now. So you can uh, you can hear my uh, my little daughter in the background there. Um, but. Uh, so I had this melody I liked. I had that line, all we've got is now. And then I started writing lyrics um, about things. Uh, and you can hear me sort of mumbling out the words there. Um, that things that I felt instantly moved you into the present moment. So I had a few of those lines, but the ones that stuck that made it into the final song were wrapped up like a baby on your doorstep and like when your favorite song comes on the radio. And then after that, I just wanted the listener to be invited into the album and into the present moment. So I just started to yell out, so dig in. Uh, and that stuck too. The sound that you're going to hear at the beginning of the song and throughout is a harmonium. Um, and as I was tracking the album, Alexis, my wife, uh, bought me a harmonium. And for those of you who don't know what a harmonium is, it's like a, as Brad calls it, it's like a survivalist uh, piano, right? So you pump air through it, and then it has keys like a piano. Um, and so the harmonium makes just two appearances on the album, and this, this song, Atta, is one of them. Um, and I like how the song starts with that harmonium sound, like somebody is about to chant with the harmonium because it is traditionally used for that, but the song ends up being this full rock song. The first song that John tracked on drums was Atha as well, and I remember vividly the first time I heard his drum track come onto the song. He had sent it to me, and I really didn't know what he was going to do for the song, and it really just blew me away. It was such like a motivating moment to get the album done and put it out into the world. I kind of have to laugh when I think of, uh, back about that moment. I was sort of uh, rocking out uh, to my own song um, in the studio here. and uh, But it was this magical moment, and I think it sort of propelled me through. Um, the other thing I'll mention about the song is if you listen closely, you can hear me breathing on the track. Um, and there's all sorts of hissing and room noise on this album, um, which the professional recording people out there will probably not like very much. Um, but, you know, but whatever. Um, you know, anyway, if you listen, you're going to hear me breathing. And if you don't know much about yoga, 
you probably know one thing, and that's that breathing is a huge part of the practice. When we pay attention to our breath, it brings us into the present moment. So I invite you now to take a deep breath in. There you go. And listen to Atta, the first song from Destroyed Up's Sutra. made it this far into the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. My plan is to release a podcast episode every few weeks or so covering all the songs on the album. I want to talk about the concepts behind the songs, play you some demos, talk you through the songwriting process, the lyrics, and you know, I guess generally just kind of geek out. So if you want to join me on this little journey, um, please subscribe to the podcast in iTunes and definitely make sure you check out destroyedup.com. I've got the lyrics there, uh, videos for a few of the songs, uh, and a bunch of other stuff. So until next time, Jai Rock, Jai Roll. <laughs> <laughs>